Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Evelyn Lim, in for Kevin Hogan today. Let's start off with our top stories. Russia laying out some demands for Ukraine as talks continue. Humanitarian corridors also supposed to open today, but the two sides disagree on the routes. Secretary of State Antony Blinken assures Lithuania of NATO and U.S. protection. The senior diplomat is currently on a two-day visit to the Baltic states. A monitoring group says Russia has detained thousands for protesting the war in Ukraine. The group says the protesters are from 56 cities across Russia. Russia says it'll stop military action if Ukraine meets its conditions. Some of those include Ukraine changing its constitution to become neutral, recognizing Crimea as Russian territory, and it also includes Ukraine stopping fighting. Meanwhile, the two countries plan to restart talks and open up humanitarian corridors after failed attempts over the weekend. Entity's Jessica Beatty reports. On Monday, Russia said six humanitarian corridors would be opened around Ukrainian cities to allow civilians to escape. According to maps published by the RIA news agency, the corridor from Kyiv will lead to Russian ally Belarus. The corridor from Kharkiv will lead to Russia, and corridors from Mariupol and Sumy will both lead to other Ukrainian cities and to Russia. But Ukraine Monday rejected Russia's proposal to evacuate civilians to Russia and Belarus. This is an unacceptable option for opening humanitarian corridors. We demand that the Russian Federation accept our routes and establish a ceasefire. She said the humanitarian corridors were still not up and running. It's unclear if they're running now. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky asked the international community Monday to boycott Russian oil and other exports. If the invasion continues and Russia has not abandoned its plans against Ukraine, then we need a new sanctions package. Zelensky has also called on NATO to impose a no-fly zone in Ukraine. But Russian President Vladimir Putin said Saturday that any attempt to do that would lead to catastrophic consequences. Any movement in this direction will be considered participation in an armed conflict on the part of the country from which territorial threats to our military personnel are being made. NATO's rejected calls for a no-fly zone, saying it would escalate the war beyond Ukraine, potentially pitting the United States against Russia. Putin says he's trying to defend Russian-speaking communities in Ukraine through, quote, demilitarization and denazification so Ukraine becomes neutral and no longer a threat to Russia. Ukraine and Western countries have dismissed this as a baseless pretext for entering Ukraine. A Ukrainian negotiator says a third round of Russia-Ukraine talks will be held on Monday. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Russia's foreign minister Sergei Lavrov and his Ukrainian counterpart Dmitry Kuleba have agreed to meet at a forum in southern Turkey on Thursday. These will be the first potential talks between the top diplomats since Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine. Turkey's foreign minister made the announcement, adding he would attend the meeting in the resort city of Antalya. Russian news agencies confirmed the plan. Today, the third round of talks between Russia and Ukraine are underway. And today's Anna Varava is in Ukraine. She spoke to Ukrainians over the weekend about their expectations. The third round of talks between Russia and Ukraine are expected over the coming days. We asked Ukrainians what they expect from these talks. Honestly, I don't really hope that anything will change. 
But I would like there to be peace, no war, no shooting. I think they will be so twisted, waiting to say he will give in first. And God forbid it is us. The hope is that something will change, but there's little faith in it. Of course, we want them to get off our land, and it's clear that they have a different position. Every day we wait for it all to end. We cry, we pray, we're very worried. And every day we expect it to end. We hope that one day this reptile will be severely punished. We're for Ukraine. We hope it will end soon, and let's see how it will be. We all believe in our victory. I really hope that everything will end as soon as possible and our people will be able to get out of their basements, out of their apartments, because many of my friends were injured, their parents, even their apartments were damaged. I have a lot of close friends who no longer have a home, so let's hope and we'll hope and we want to go home. We believe in our state, in our armed forces, and we do not believe in Russia. We believe our victory and that we're stronger. We believe that God is on our side. And Russia's invasion of Ukraine is sending shockwaves across the Baltic states of Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is touring the region, assuring protection from NATO and the United States. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is on a two-day visit to the Baltic, starting in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania. The president of Lithuania called Russia's aggression against Ukraine a long-term threat to European security. I must say that strengthening deterrence is not longer enough, and we need forward defense here in place, because otherwise it will be too late, dear Mr. Secretary. At a news conference with the country's top officials, Blinken assured Lithuania of NATO protection and U.S. support. The United States' commitment to Article 5, an attack on one, is an attack on all. That commitment is sacrosanct. Lithuania is also facing pressure from communist China after allowing Taiwan to open a de facto embassy in Vilnius. Blinken said the Ukraine situation was relevant to Lithuania's Taiwan situation, as all countries should have the right to pursue their own foreign policies. We respect and support Lithuania's decision to expand commercial ties with Taiwan, another leading democracy. Beijing has responded to Vilnius's decision with economic coercion and political pressure designed to divide the European Union and punishing Lithuania into reversing course. We support the EU's decision to launch a legal challenge against China at the WTO. We have to defend the rules that keep trade fair. And economic sanctions against Russia continue to increase. Blinken on Sunday said the U.S. and European allies are discussing a ban on Russian oil imports. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is still seeking Western support in the form of more weapons. And in a Zoom call with U.S. lawmakers, he asked specifically for Russian-made aircraft. And on Sunday, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations confirmed on ABC that U.S. troops will not enter Ukraine. President Biden has been very, very clear that American troops will not be put on the ground or in the air uh, to escalate this war uh, and make this an American war against, uh, against the Russians. She also said the U.S. would back Ukraine in every other way possible and mentioned the more than $1 billion already sent. Meanwhile, Secretary Blinken announced that NATO member Poland has a green light to send warplanes to Ukraine. The White House is now discussing with Warsaw on how jets can be made available to Poland and other NATO countries. 
The U.S. State Department is asking Americans living in Russia to leave as soon as possible. The agency has also issued a level 4 do not travel alert to warn U.S. citizens against traveling to Russia. The advisory says U.S. citizens in Russia face the threat of potential harassment by Russian security officials. And it says the U.S. Embassy in Russia has limited ability to assist U.S. citizens. The agency asks U.S. citizens who wish to leave to make their own travel arrangements as soon as possible. It says travel conditions in the country could change without notice. The advisory also says that if U.S. citizens can get to a country outside of Russia, they can con contact a U.S. embassy in that country to get assistance. However, Russia's advance through Ukraine could soon be unsustainable due to military losses. That's according to a British military analyst. And meanwhile, residents in some areas are sleeping underground to escape the more than six days of shelling by Russian forces. British military analyst Ed Arnold says Russia's advance in Ukraine won't be sustainable within three weeks, citing its current rate of military losses. We do have indications that this operation will be unsustainable within about three weeks from the Russian perspective, in which case that they would have to consolidate their gains already made and look to see a way of trying to freeze the conflict on the current lines of advance while they uh, mobilize um, more forces from Russia. In the Ukrainian city of Mariupol, trapped residents are sleeping underground to escape more than six days of shelling by Russian forces. A few days ago, ceasefire talks between Moscow and Kyiv ended with no results. About half of the city's population has yet to be evacuated. Arnold says the level of refugee activity in Europe has not been seen since World War II. Ultimately, there's a trust deficit between both sides. And while the ceasefire is in play, uh, the military on both sides are able to make gains. So it's very difficult to actually um, enforce. Uh, we'll probably see uh, very similar uh, in the next couple of days with some civilians getting out, but some remaining trapped in Mariupol. According to EU's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, up to 5 million Ukrainians are expected to flee the country if the Russian shelling continues. He proposed mobilization all EU resources to help those countries that receive refugees. And the head of UK's armed forces is calling on Russia to stop this shocking war and bring its forces back to Russia. What we're seeing is a Russian armed forces that are struggling to take Ukraine. We're seeing a remarkable fight back from both Ukrainian armed forces and the civilian population. And we're seeing the world come together to apply pressure on Russia. And so this is going to be a tough fight. This is going to be a long fight. Russia has repeatedly denied targeting civilian areas. Police detained thousands of people across Russia on Sunday. They were protesting President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. That's according to an independent protest monitoring group. They say they've documented the detention of over 4,300 people in 56 cities across the country. Video obtained by Reuters showed dozens of protesters in Yekaterinburg being detained on Sunday, and one protester there was shown being beaten with a baton and kicked on the ground by police in riot gear. The video showed numerous protesters, some elderly, being escorted onto buses by security forces. Russia's interior ministry said earlier that police had detained around 3,500 people, including 1,700 in Moscow, 750 in St. Petersburg, 
and 1,061 in other cities. The Interior Ministry also said 5,200 people had taken part in the protests. Some Russian state-controlled media carried short reports about Sunday's protests, but they did not feature high in news bulletins. The last Russian protests with a similar number of arrests were in January of last year, when thousands demanded the release of opposition leader Alexei Navalny after he was arrested upon returning from Germany, where he had been recovering from being poisoned with a nerve agent. Navalny had called for anti-war protests on Sunday across Russia and the rest of the world. Protesters gathered at Parliament Square in London on Sunday and outside the White House in Washington, D.C., as well as in Mexico City, New Delhi, Istanbul, Budapest, Belgrade, and Brussels. And residents of some Ukrainian towns and cities occupied by Russian forces also took to the streets in protest. The list of businesses suspending operations in Russia is growing. The U.S. payment firms Visa and MasterCard are also suspending operations in Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. Both companies say that soon, all transactions with cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside the country, while cards issued outside of Russia will no longer work within it. President Biden welcomed the decisions by the companies in a call with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky. Ukraine's central bank chief Kirillo Shevchenko told Nikkei Asia that he and Zelensky had urged the two firms to suspend their Russian operations to increase pressure on the regime over its invasion of Ukraine, which Moscow describes as a special military operation. Visa and MasterCard stand to lose significant business from Russia, with both firms reporting that their net revenues from the country last year was about 4% of their totals. But the move could also mean more disruption for Russians, who are bracing for an uncertain future of spiraling inflation, economic hardship, and an even sharper squeeze on imported goods. However, Russia has been taking steps to increase the independence of its financial system for years. It set up its own banking messaging system as an alternative to global payment system SWIFT, as well as its own card payment system, which began operating in 2015. They were part of Moscow's efforts to develop homegrown financial tools to mirror Western ones to protect the country in case sanctions are broadened. There's also American Express that's also suspending its services in Russia. That's according to a Sunday announcement. The suspension extends to neighboring Belarus. The company also pledged $1 million to support aid organizations in Ukraine and neighboring countries impacted by, by Russia's invasion. And they're committing to match donations made through the American Express match program. The United States and the European Union suspend Russia from a group within the World Trade Organization. The U.S. and the EU submitted a joint letter to the WTO's chairman of the General Council condemning Russia's actions in Ukraine. As a result of the suspension, Russian nominees will no longer be taken into consideration when the group decides on appointments to chair WTO bodies. On top of that, the EU is also planning to remove Russia's most favored nation status from the WTO. This would disrupt Moscow's $105 billion worth of annual exports to the bloc. Making them costlier, that's because any company in the bloc doing businesses with Moscow would need to pay additional tariffs. Russia's biggest trade partner right now is the EU. Total trade between the two was valued at almost $190 billion in 2020. And out of that, almost $73 billion was for the EU's imports of Russian crude oil. A conductor warns against condemning Russian culture for President Putin's politics. 
He says he's witnessed countries in Europe abandoning Russian works of art. The politique. Russian culture is not the same as Russian politics. We must condemn politics loud and clear and distance ourselves from it unequivocally. But we must not allow a witch hunt against Russian people and culture. Emerging bans and boycotts, for example, of Russian music and literature in various European countries, evoke the very worst associations in me. Star conductor Daniel Barenboim made the statement at a charity concert to benefit Ukrainians. He told the audience how shocked he was that a symposium on Russian author Dostoevsky was cancelled in Italy because of the Russian nationality of the author. He also mentioned that Poland has forbidden the playing of Russian music of any century. Berenboim himself is of Ukrainian and Belarusian origin. His family fled anti-Semitic persecution in those countries. As part of the concert, he conducted the Ukrainian national anthem. And coming up, the People's Convoy has been staying in Maryland since Friday and they have yet to enter Washington, D.C. One speaker told the convoy they could be detained if they enter the D.C. area. People's Convoy is currently staying in Hagerstown, Maryland. The group is made up of people and their vehicles asking that pandemic-related restrictions be lifted. The crowd has yet to enter Washington, D.C., but one speaker said members of the convoy could be detained if they enter the Capitol. NTD's Jason Perry has a story. The People's Convoy was supposed to arrive at the Capitol Beltway, which surrounds Washington, D.C., on Saturday, March 5th. Joshua Yoder said he talked with federal agents. They said anyone who enters D.C. with the convoy will probably be detained. And you're not going to the District of Columbia. I'm begging you. Stand up peacefully. Stand up lawfully. And make a difference. And we're going to do that. You're going to do that by voting. You're going to do that by standing up and making your voices heard. The next morning, the co-organizer of the People's Convoy, Brian Brazi, told the crowd that people in D.C. were willing to meet with them, and he added that... Today we decided that we're going to go on to the Beltway. The instructions were to make two laps around the Capitol Beltway, but not to enter D.C. at the time. Then the convoy lined up and headed to I-495. I'm now here on the Capitol Beltway, right outside of Washington, D.C. The People's Convoy is making two laps around the Capitol. And after they finish that, they plan to return to Maryland and discuss their plan to try to end all COVID mandates as they rally for freedom. I think today was a very special day. I think today we have a win. Today was amazing. It looked good on all the live feeds that I was able to watch and all the news reports that I was getting. Everybody wanting statements and questions and then watching the fake news say fake crap as usual. We talked to some people to see how they felt about driving in the convoy around D.C. It was amazing. I, I've done a lot of things in my life and I never felt part of such an amazing thing ever. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling to see what the news media doesn't show, which is Americans coming together. Like I said, every man, woman, and child, they are standing up, but it's not being reported like it should be. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. 
The organizer of the People's Convoy says today was a success when they drove around two laps around D.C. And he asked everyone just to hang out and they'll be watching a movie tonight called Convoy. And they'll have their briefing tomorrow morning for their next convoy at 8 a.m. Jason Perry, NTD News, Maryland. Wildfires in the Florida Panhandle are growing and forcing evacuations. The Atkins Avenue fire in Bay County has reportedly bur burned 1,400 acres and is 35% contained as of Sunday. Strong winds are making it hard for crews to fully contain the fire. Evacuation orders are still in place for about 600 homes. There is no timeline as to when they might be able to go back. The Bertha Swamp Road fire in Gulf County is reportedly burning 8,000 acres and is 10% contained. The Florida Forest Service has reported nearly 150 fires across the state. Those fires are burning more than 12,000 acres, with nearly 10,000 of those acres burning in the panhandle. A suspected migrant boat ran aground in Key Largo, Florida on Sunday. The U.S. Coast Guard and the Miami-Dade Fire Department were among those who responded to the scene. Officials say they performed onshore rescues. They say the people involved in the alleged smuggling venture are Haitian. The U.S. Border Patrol says it appears about 300 migrants were on board. They say that many of those need some sort of medical attention. The USCG tweeted that it is doing whatever possible to keep everyone safe. The 50th running of the Iditarod trail sled dog race got underway Sunday. 49 teams of eager dogs and sled drivers took the official start under sunny skies in Alaska. The competition first held a ceremonial start in downtown Anchorage on Saturday. Then, teams packed up and drove 75 miles north. There, they stopped in a small town and took their official time starts. The event takes about nine days for the winning team to complete. This year's overall trail has been restored to its traditional 1,000-mile distance. That's after it was shortened last year because of the CCP virus. Sled drivers are known as mushers, and a top musher pulled out of the race after testing positive for COVID-19. Four-time champion Jeff King planned to sit out this year's contest, but he stepped in to drive the absent musher's sled. And that's it for NTD News Today. Catch us again tonight at 6.30 Eastern with Stephanie Cox. This is Evelyn Lee, live from New York City today, in for Kevin Hogan. Thanks for watching.